Hallelujah. Amen. Won't you just worship the Lord together with us this morning as we just declare that he's holy, that he's righteous, that he's the Lamb of God. Amen. That he's our God this morning. Lord Jesus, we love you today. We want to express our gratitude to you because you're the mighty God. There is none like you, Lord. You are unique, so different from any other. Lord, there was not another worthy as that worthy lamb. And we want to thank you today that we can worship you. We can give praise to your great name because you are worthy. Lord, we ask that you would bless us today in your presence. May the Holy Spirit come with dynamic power, Lord. Change lives. and Lord, heal the sick and deliver your children. Oh, God, may every obstacle, every gate of hell give way to the name of Jesus. I pray that you'll speak to us in a mighty way today. Reveal yourself to us through the word. Now we ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. I want to welcome you today and say it's been good. It's good to be in the house of God. And to gather together with believers. Amen. Good to have each one that is visiting with us and um, that, that has come to be in the service today with us. Brother Kirkman brought his brother along with him today. So I had to be glad to have them from Connecticut. I know Brother Joe Adams is going to miss you, though, being there. He's, he's up there ministering this weekend. And, and so... Um, He'll, he'll miss you, your amens, but I'll be glad for it. Amen. Amen. So it's really, really good. We also had a family that is um, visiting here from Indiana. God bless you. Happy to have you in the service today. And, and um, also several members of the Chambliss family, the, the Bacons, the Hendries. We're really happy to have you. Many years ago, we started out there at Little Blocker's Chapel. I preached my first sermon when I was 15. And, you know, um, we uh, uh, just had some wonderful times together there. And now that little church, I was by it not too long ago. And it's all decaying and falling down. So, wow, why don't we just say this can be your church? Amen. So we're just really happy for you to be here with us too. And pray that you'll feel welcome. And each one of you, some remnants left from the Rissler family that is here. And while we're speaking about that, I want to say thank you to this body of believers for the love and support that you gave to me and the Rissler Pruitt family during the passing of our dear brother Amos Rissler. Uh, similarly, some of you did the same during the passing of our sister Moselle Middleton. That was just a few weeks ago. And so we want to thank you for your support, your, your, the food, the visits, phone calls, texts of encouragement, everything. And uh, I especially want to uh, say a special thanks to those who attended the memorial service. You know, that's a time where this church can demonstrate the real love of Christ. It's a moment where we're not just talking about being Christians, but where we demonstrate the love of Christ. And services like that gives our church a great opportunity to be a witness to people who otherwise would never darken our doors. And, you know, sometimes we want to be a witness and 
We'd like to travel the world and do that, yet we fail to see the opportunity to witness to people when they're open and they're softened in their hearts and spirits because of the death of a loved one. And it's a wonderful time to be able to minister to others. You say, well, I'm just a young person. You know, might think your presence wasn't necessary just because you're young, uh, because Brother Amos was up in age, but your presence is still a comforting and a show of support for his grandsons, his grandchildren, granddaughters, you know, to, to everybody else. And, and uh, I, you know, I have seen life come out of death so often. Amen. And regardless of your age or your presence, um, encouraged and strengthened me as, as your pastor, as you supported me while I ministered to the hurting family. And your presence showed me that you care and that you love me and that you support me and that you have my back. And so I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. God bless you. Uh, chapter, uh, of chapter 1 of Luke, we'll read from the 57th verse um, today. And just asking the Lord will speak to us in a mighty way today. Um, help us as we minister on things. Sometimes it might be a, a, a little difficult even sometimes for me to minister but you know it's um if it's the word of god we can't back up from it can we amen we should always want to want the word of god to be uh, the preeminence in our services luke chapter 1 verse 57 now elizabeth full time came that she should be delivered and she brought forth a son And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, Not so, but he shall be called John. And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And they made signs to his fathers how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table and, and wrote, saying, His name is John. And they marveled all. And his mouth was opened immediately. And his tongue loosed, and he spake and praised God. And fear came on all that dwelt round about them. And all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hills, country of Judea. And all they heard him um, laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and has raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we be delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness 
and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. And thou child shall be called the prophet of the most high or the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way. To give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Amen. May God bless you. You can be seated. If you will also turn with me to Luke chapter 2, we'll read from the fourth verse and pick up a little bit on this story of um, the Lord Jesus and his birth as well. And so we will read from the fourth verse. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea and to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were going away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told of them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Today I'm going to be speaking to you on the ram's horn of redemption. As we're here today, of course, Um, Right here on the eve of Christmas, Christmas is a time of the year that I find has caused a lot of contention among believers. You know, it didn't help us any that on Christmas Eve some 53 years ago, the God's servant and prophet would 
would go home to be with the Lord in a horrible car accident at only 56 years of age. And this, of course, would leave most of us stunned and confused and left with us with a lot of sadness. And, and um, this sadness would dominate Christmas for many, many years to come. And it didn't help that some had, you know, cherry-picked quotes against Christmas that was not balanced with how Brother Branham applied it. And even today, it's somewhat astonishing to me that many message believers' interpretation of Christmas has the very prophet they claim to follow engaging in paganism. Some Christians say that since the world would celebrate Christmas, then Christians should avoid it. Well, I suppose that same argument could be applied to Thanksgiving or any other holiday. But Brother Branham saw it as an opportunity to proclaim Christ as the reason for the season. And, and it would be able to proclaim the very deity of Christ as some of his earliest messages were Christmas messages. And he would preach a Christmas message every year to, to tell the truth um, to, to Christmas. And that our commemoration of it was not to be about Santa Claus, or, but to stop and remember what a great thing that God did by sending the gift of all gifts to the world. And he believed in keeping it a holy day. Let me just share you a couple of little quotations here and we'll go on to some other things as these are just really part of my opening comments today as we're on the eve of Christmas. But as he said, from we have seen a star, so today we find out that they've injected everything. All our holidays are polluted. Our Easter is no more than the resurrection of Christ. It's some kind of Easter rabbit or some little pink duck has nothing to do with the resurrection of Christ. No more than Santa Claus has anything to do with the birth of Christ. But it's the world and the commercial world has got everything in such a tangle um, and mess until no wonder God is justified to burn the thing up and he's going to do it. He promised he would do it. And it has to get in this mess in order. There's no hope for it. It's gone. But now in the hour of this darkness, as I say, that we live in, still Christmas should be holding forth that light, that there is a truth to Christmas, that it is the birth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the zigzag forked lightning into the dark, cloudy, angry skies, shows that there can be a light in darkness, and it proves that there can be a light in the time of darkness. Again, in um, question and answer, he would say, by God's help, a very Merry Christmas to every one of you. And remember my saying, this is not, this is not Santa Claus. This is for Jesus. Amen. And you see, Christmas means Christ. And we were riding last night showing the kitties all the houses decorated and everything, which is awful nice. But I thought, if I ever had anything on my house that I ever wanted to write, would be a neon sign, trusting Christ will be in your Christmas. That's right, put Christ back into Christmas. So, yet, you know, we, we know today we have no, we don't know what the date of Christ's birth is. And we have no scripture whatsoever to tell us to commemorate it. 
Neither do we have any scripture to tell us not to have a day of remembrance. But we believe that his birth, of course, would have been in the spring when lambs are born. We understand, you know, how that the, this day uh, was set aside to appease both the pagans and the Christians and, and change it from son God's birthday to son of God's birthday. And we understand all of that. But, um, you know, Brother Branham would say uh, about that in God's gifts, he said, but what difference does it make? See, today when we are, even if, if they were doing it in July or August or whenever it might be, it's still the sacredness of remembering that God gave us the hope that we have in us. And now you say, well, the rest of them's all Santa Claus and going to own like to do. Well, we might as well do it. No, sir. This is not a pagan celebration to us. This is a sacred hour. If there had been no Christmas, there would have been no resurrection. If there had been no Christmas, there'd be no love and no peace. There'd been no hereafter for the believer if there'd have been no Christmas. Now you say, well, if the rest of the world, they just, well, you see the forked lightning in the black cloudy skies show there can be light in the time of darkness. And these lights tonight prove that there can be a light in the time of darkness. And when does light shine its best? In the darkness. And you turn these lights on in daytime, the sun is shining, you hardly notice they're on. But just a little wee light will shine real bright in the time of darkness. And right now is darkness when every Christian should be given a testimony of the hope that is in him of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, for, you know, for some people, you know, it's, it's just about a Santa Claus. For some, gifts will be exchanged that will dishonor the name of Christ and the great gift of, of God. Packs of alcohol and cigarettes, some will rock and roll or something, will be, will be given in memory of that great gift. And that's, that is a shame. Some have, some have already went back to Santa Claus. And it's a shame they can't keep a balance. Once a yoke of legalism is removed, then they only just fall into, into the ditch of disgrace. But for us, we stop to remember, and this is what it's about. I want to just put it before this church. We stop to remember of the great salvation that was wrought in the world by God condescending to where we are in order to lift us up to bring us back to God. Um, you might remember, I remember it very well. In 1987, the world stopped and gasped. And in horror, and, and as they learned of a little toddler by the name of Jessica McClure, over here in Texas somewhere that fell into just an eight-inch well casing. She fell and went down and got stuck at 22 feet below the surface. And once she was discovered, people took immediate action. They didn't just shout happy thoughts to her to encourage her. They didn't tell her to just find a way to climb back up. No, they went down to where she was and got her. Whatever it took, rescue workers, they worked nonstop for 58 hours to free her. Now, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve fell. Down they went, and it drug all humanity down with her. 
that went down into darkness and sin. And what did God do? He did not tell us just to find a way out of the mess we were in. He didn't just send and shout down some happy thoughts from heaven. He came down to where we were. And he got us. And that's what Christmas is all about. God came down to rescue us. And to do whatever it took to deliver us from death. Now that's what really Christmas means. Amen. And when even just one little baby girl was in a life-threatening situation, people stopped their whole world. And we understood what had to be done. And when God looked down at our sinful world and he saw a whole world in mortal danger, we commemorate Christmas because it was at Christmas time, whatever day of the year it was, that the rescuer came of all mankind to come save us from a hopeless situation. God didn't stay in the heavens. He came down to where we are. What a mighty God we serve. Now the book of Luke where we read from this morning, it speaks of this prophecy of Zechariah when his mouth was open that day, having been struck numb, uh, dumb some months before because he had disbelieved the word of the angel. And now the child is born and they're asking for his name and And according to the angel's word, his mouth came open. But it came open with a prophecy, which said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. That we should be saved from our enemies. And from the hand of all that hate us to perform mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. And then we also read of the shepherds hearing the good news of the birth of the Lamb of God. I've had experience with animal life, as you know. I had an ambition as a little boy to be a veterinarian. Couldn't do that because I was called to preach at a young age. So, you know, I've, I've um, practiced animal husbands, husbandry and still have a farm and cattle up on it. But I used to raise um, some very prized animals, some, some dairy goats. And as a shepherd, I, I know the joy and the, and the anticipation of the birth of a special ram. I know, I know um, the results of a very special breeding. You know, I, I would many times um, in my spare moment take a paper and a pen and I would trace pedigrees and I would match them to this and that and plan a breeding. I remember one day my son Timothy and I were in the barn and we were using some 30-year-old semen to inseminate a doe hoping for that prized animal that would become a champion and more importantly would produce champion offspring. And as they were insemin- as we were inseminating the doe, we were releasing the seed of a prized buck that had been kept in, in frozen in nitrogen at, at um, 320 degrees below Fahrenheit or, or uh, minus 
minus uh, 174 degrees Celsius and been kept in that state for 30 years frozen. And at the, at the moment we released that, Brother Michael Dexter walked into the barn where we were to see what we're doing. And, and he walked into the lab room and, and his cell phone went off at that very moment uh, with a ringtone that, that, that shouted out, I'm so glad to be free. I named the offspring of that, of that, um, uh, of that breeding, I, I named that animal Voyager because he had been on a voyage. For 30 years, he had laid there in the tank waiting for that special moment. And in that special moment of release, as Michael saw, the phone rang out, I'm so glad to be free. It produced a, a champion for me that would produce champion offspring. And, but what joy and wonderment that day when the shepherds heard of a ram that was born. That was of the seed of the word. And that word had been laying dormant. Can I say it was frozen as it were stored up waiting for that special moment. For that right time, for that virgin that would be that was promised a ram of redemption would be born through a virgin. To do it, it would take the releasing of the seed of the word. Isaiah 7:14 said, Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and ye shall call his name Emmanuel. And this would be God with us. Amen. He would also give more description about it in Isaiah 9 and 6 and say, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful and Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. And of on the throne of David and upon the king, his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Hallelujah. How appropriate then is it that the news of the ram's birth would be first known by the shepherds? How appropriate that that lamb, that ram would be born in a stable. Not in a great temple. Not in synagogues attended by priests and dignitaries. Not even in a king's palace. But in a stable attended by shepherds. And the Bible said in Luke chapter 2 and 9, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this 
this shall be the sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swathing clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. And I say today even, I echo those words, Glory to God in the highest. Amen. Thank God for this ram that was born. These shepherds had been waiting for thousands of years for the word that had been sealed away to be released to finally reveal the ram. As the shepherds gazed upon this newborn ram and looked him over, he was a perfect ram. He was without spot. Or without blemish. He was also a firstborn ram. Amen. Firstborn was really important because God claimed the firstborn. Amen. And so not only the firstborn of Mary, but this was the firstborn of God. Can I just share to you a quote from the church age book? As the spirit of God, he came down and created in Mary those cells from which his body was born. I want to repeat that. He created the very cells in the womb of Mary for that body. It was not enough for the Holy Spirit to simply give life to a human oven supplied by Mary. That would have been sinful mankind producing the body. That would have not produced the last Adam. Of him it was said, a body hast thou, Father, prepared me. God, not Mary, provided that body. Mary was a human incubator and she carried that holy child and brought him to birth. It was, it was a God-man. He was the son of God. He was of the new creation. Man and God met and joined. He was the first of this new race and he is the head of this new race. Hallelujah. Let me tell you about him. He was a pedigreed ram. Within his lineage was royalty. There were kings and wise men and sages. But oh, this champion ram was more than that because this ram was the very blood of God. Hallelujah. It was was seed released from a promise all the way back from Eden that there would be a seed of a woman that would come and bruise the head of the serpent. And this ram would bring salvation. And this ram would have mighty horns of salvation that would bruise the head of death and finally stamp it out and destroy it. And it's no wonder Zechariah called him the horn of salvation. Amen. John the Baptist would later see him and give a shout with with a message that said, Look, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Amen. Where would we find him? Where would we go to look for him? Where would he be born? You see, he he wouldn't be born among the high and the mighty, but among the lowly and the humble. This is where he would be born. Amen. Now, notice, as Brother Branham would say in the church age book again, he said, oh, how striking it is. Jehovah born crying over a manure pile. Jehovah born in a manger of straw. There's your everlasting sign to the proud and puffed up pseudo-intellectuals 
that evolved their own theology and denied the truth of God. Jehovah God, a crying baby in a stinking barn. And then we think we have the right to be proud and holding up our noses and criticizing and acting as though we were somebody. Here's a real sign. This is the right one. Jehovah playing as a boy. Jehovah working in a carpenter shop. Jehovah washing the feet of fishermen. There he is. Can we picture him this morning? Wrapped in swaddling cloth. The world wants to wrap Christ. And they want to offer us fancy package. Uh, That is all wrapped up in the tinsel of religion with psychology. The world, the world wants to offer something that is wrapped in glitter. It's something shiny. I hear the words of the prophet of God say, and these are his words. I want to get away from all this here, just Christmas tinsel and things. Because someday it's going to be burnt. It is going to be burnt with unquenchable fire. And all those who are intolerating with it will be burned with it. The world, the sinner, will be punished. They will, be, they will perish with the world. The worldly loving people will perish with the world. You see, tinsel, tinsel is a shiny decoration made out of thin strips of metal foil. And let me just assure you this morning, that ain't going to send you to hell. That ain't going to cause you to be burned. But the showy attractiveness and the glitter of a false Christ and false worship will. Amen. Come on, let's not be silly now. It's not a a shiny shard of, of foil and glitter on a present that you wrap that will cause you to lose out. It's the tinsel, the artificial shine of some religion. Amen. That isn't real. Amen. God wants you to have something real. Amen. And then, then of course, too, there is the story of the moron that Brother Branham would talk about who kept the box and the wrapping and threw the presents away, the present, the gift away. And that's it. You see, they want the glitter of religion. The pretty box. Well, we belong to the greatest church. The mayor goes here. We have the most members. We, they want to join a church or shake hands with the preacher. Maybe even get baptized. But they don't want Christ, the presence. Amen. You see, that's the thing. They don't want to get down to the point where they die out to sin and unbelief, weep their way to Calvary, have a new birth experience. Amen. I believe in an old-fashioned, born-again experience by the baptism of the Holy Ghost that changes a life. Amen. It makes a new creature out of you. Amen. Not a church joined by the day where you're born by the Spirit of God. And you also become a part of that new creation. In God's wrapped gift, Brother Branham said, he was wrapped then in a dirty cloth, a swaddling cloth. And he's wrapped today in the same thing which they call holy roller, fanaticism, a bunch of heretics. Is wrapped up in swaddling cloth, and the world don't want it. But I'm so glad to raise that cloth up and look what's laying underneath. 
eternal life. God made flesh and dwelt among us. Aren't you glad to be able to raise that swaddling cloth up? Amen. And look underneath it and find the life. Amen. Not get enamored with the cloth, but find the life. Oh, he said, what's all this? What's all of this about? Lights, sacred lights coming from heaven. Having pictures taken. Great signs, discernments, power, speaking in tongues, interpretation, telling things that's forthcoming and uh, power of the gospel, healing the sick, taking the cancers, healing them, blind eyes open, all kinds of things. What's it all about? Why, it's just a bunch of holy rollers. Be careful. That's swaddling cloth. Hallelujah. I want that kind of swaddling cloth. I want to be clothed with the same kind that he was swaddled in. Amen. Something there that will heal the sick. Amen. That will cast Satan out. That will give a new birth experience. Something that will bring a reality of God. Somebody get with me this morning. Amen. Let's have church. Amen. Let's be in the presence of God. The ram can be seen all the way from Eden now. When man first sinned, it was an animal that was slain to cover their nakedness. And let me tell you something. If the ram don't cover your shame and your nakedness, all your fig leaves of theology and your pretend revelations won't do it. Amen. Today, even, even among message believers, some are saying there is no mercy, that grace is over. And I'll tell you, it is. Mercy, and there is no mercy in those fig leaves. There's no grace there. There's no mercies in the fig leaves of psychology. There's no favor with God when you offer a worship without blood. Amen. Your theology will never hide your shame. Amen. There's only one way to hide your shame. And that's when the skin coat of God's righteousness comes and covers you over by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It may not be a pretty garment because it's a bloody garment. It was taken off the ram and put on you. It was there to take and hide your shame and to hide your sins and to make you without blemish like the ram without, without blemish because you have the coat of his righteousness upon you. I'll tell you, that's what we ought to seek for today. Give me that kind of covering. Amen. Cover me, oh God. Amen. It must cover you by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Nothing else will work. So I believe the message. Well, you're just able to read. It does make sense. It does make logic. But believing it doesn't work. You've got to receive it. It's got to do a work in you. You've got to exchange your unrighteousness for his righteousness. Now, in the Old Testament, the word horn signifies many things. And looking at this animal here that we have, this ram, those horns are used for fighting. They're used for protection, for securing dominance. And these, because of their symbology, they became symbols of strength and power and victory. 
And often the scriptures mention of a horn in a literary symbol. It represents dominant and power. So the horn of his salvation is the power or the dominance of his salvation. So with that power comes deliverance. You see, the animal saves itself from predators with his horns. The brazen altar of sacrifice that Moses was told to place in the temple would have four horns on the altar. That no matter from what direction that you would approach the altar, there was salvation. Hallelujah. Amen. There was mercy. There was grace and healing. No matter what, what way you approached it, what direction you came from in worship, the, these uh, horns would be dabbed with the blood uh, of, a, of, of a lamb and, and there to purify them and make an atonement for sin. And those horns speak of the power of God's salvation. Amen. That part of the altar became a place of refuge where that a fugitive could run into the sanctuary and grab a hold of the horns of the altar. Oh, I'm going to tell you today, if you are a fugitive, if you are haunted and persecuted and running for your life, run into the temple, flee into Christ, get a hold of the altar. Don't let it go until the blood on the horns has cleansed you and made an atonement for your sins. Hallelujah. The blood of Christ can cleanse you from all sins. Hallelujah. So the horn in the scripture is a symbol of salvation. Psalms 18 and 2 said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverance. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower. In the New Testament, Jesus is the horn of salvation. We read that in Luke chapter 1. And this, this title is also attributed to Jehovah in the Old Testament. He, so both of them are called the horn of salvation. Because the Jehovah of the Old Testament is the Jesus of the New. The very name Jesus means the Lord is salvation. Amen. The the salvation that Jesus gives is strong, triumphant, powerful. Amen. Just like the horns of the altar, it offered refuge and atonement. Jesus offers mercy and cleansing through his atonement. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, no matter how strong that our spiritual foe is, the horns of our salvation is stronger still. Amen. No matter how big a devil you fight, come on now. No matter how many demons have come down along your family line, no matter how long in sin you have been, the horn of God's salvation is a stronger power. No matter how strong our spiritual foe, the horn of our salvation is stronger. It is more powerful. 
Oh, we have seen that horn of salvation go forth and heal cancer. We have seen it heal brain bleeds. We have seen it put hair back on the heads of, of our, our young girls that lost their glory. I tell you, we have seen the glory of God move. Amen. Why? Because of the horn of his salvation. Now, another time where the ram's horn brought salvation was when Abraham offered Isaac. You remember that? There he was, he came up to Mount Moriah. He would come to the very hill that some thousands of years later that Jesus would trudge up that same cross like Isaac, that same hill like Isaac did bearing his cross. Oh my. And there in that moment, as Isaac yielded himself, remember, sometimes we don't understand, but God needed, needed to, to bring out a prophecy. He never intended for Abraham to offer Isaac and kill him. That was never his intention. God's own word was against human sacrifice. Right? Amen. But at the same time, he needed somebody to portray what he would do with Abraham's seed thousands of years later. So he tells Abraham, go now, Abraham. I'm going to try your faith. I'm going to see if you really trust me because I'm not giving you all the answers. You just walk by faith. You know, sometimes in life, we want all the answers. We want to know what the next step is. Amen. We don't know what the next step is. Job said, he knows the way that I take. And when I come forth, I'm going to come forth as pure gold. Amen. That's the way that God will do it. Amen. Amen. Now, at the same time, you know, he doesn't know what's going to happen. He's just told. He hears the voice. He is told to do a, a job. Take your son, your only son, and offer him. Oh, my. Good thing he didn't tell Sarah. She'd had a nervous breakdown. He just hit it down in his heart and here they go. You know, Isaac knew something about worship. He'd been to church before. Amen. He wasn't raised without church. He knew the proper way of approach. And he said, Father, here's the wood and here's the fire. Where is the sacrifice? Is that right? He knew the order of approach. He had been to church before. You say, well, Brother Tim, we're beyond that. We're, you know, that's for babies. Well, Jesus went into the synagogue as was his custom. Well, I'll just teach my family at home, friends. Let me tell you, you must come together even as much more as you see that day approaching. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself. It's important to assemble with other believers. Get strength from the word. Are you with me? Amen. And, and there, he, there, there he, he goes through the whole thing. Now, you know, some project Isaac, you know, uh, being a young man, 16 years old, realizing he's going to be sacrificed and, and uh, you know, that, that he's, his life is going to be taken. And, and so, you know, Abraham has to chase him around for two or three hours to, to run him down. That's nonsense. Isaac surrendered himself to the will of his father. 
and laid down upon the altar and allowed his father to bind him. Remember, they were portraying something. They were portraying when the real lamb would come. Amen. Oh, the blood of Isaac would atone for nothing. But the blood of this realm, oh, hallelujah, it would atone for the sin of the whole world. And Isaac lays himself down on the altar and he takes and ties him down, submits himself tied to the altar, even as Jesus was nailed to the cross. And there he pulls back his knife to slay him. I can imagine as Brother Branham would describe it. He brushed back the hair of his little boy. His young son thought of it. But remember, he didn't understand how it was going to be. But he also knew that this was the son of promise. And before he even goes up, he even says, I and the lad shall return. He don't know how. He just knows God's going to raise him up again. He don't know how it's going to happen, but he just knows to obey God. Amen. And so there in that moment, as he brushes his hair back, looks for that right place to make a painless death, even as as, uh, we've done on the farm many times, would have to do, raised on a farm and would be with animal sacrifices through many times. There he would look for that special part with his knife. And in that moment, God said to him, out of heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, don't you lay your hands on your boy. He said, because I know now you fear God, that because you have not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And at that moment, here is the ram. Now remember, down there he said, when he was asked, where is the sacrifice? He said, the Lord himself shall provide a sacrifice. So Abraham actually at the foot of the mountain is speaking a sacrifice into existence. Hallelujah. Amen. And here he looks and he sees the word that has been released from his mouth. A ram caught by his horns in a thicket. And he went and took the ram and offered him for a blood sacrifice. And he named the place Jehovah Jireh. Hallelujah. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. I'll tell you, he's still Jehovah Jireh this morning. If you need salvation for sin, he's Jehovah Jireh. You need healing for your body, he's Jehovah Jireh. Amen. He'll heal your manic depression. He'll take your sin out of your life, cleanse you and make you new as only God can do it because the Lamb's blood is worthy. What a ram. There, Christ the ram, his own righteousness caught him by the horns. I want you to think of this. Remember our preaching on the kinsman avenger just last Sunday. 
where his own righteousness caused him to do it. And God's own righteousness caused him to become a ram, to take on flesh, to do what was necessary. Aren't you glad he didn't just send happy thoughts down? Aren't you glad he didn't just tell you, get out of this the best way you can? Aren't you glad he came down himself that God so loved you? Now, Christ Jesus, the ram, his own righteousness caught him by the horns and his strength brought salvation. Are you with me? Now, this is very important as we look at the ram and the ram's horn. And in the book of Daniel, the ten, the ten horns of Daniel's fourth, fourth beast are symbolic of ten kings. So a horn can be symbolic of kings. In Jeremiah 48, it would say Moab's horn is cut off. It means that the strength of Moab is gone. The four horns in Zechariah chapter 1 represents the powerful nations that attacked and, and scattered Israel. And in Psalm 75:10, God says, I will cut off the horns of all the wicked, but the horns of the righteous will be lifted up or exalted. In other words, the righteous will prevail. No matter how strong the wicked seem to be, amen, the righteous righteous sons of God will always prevail. Let me tell you, in your situation, amen, the horns of the wicked will be cut off, but the horns of the righteous shall be exalted. In every situation, you are made to be an overcomer. You are made to prevail. You can rise up. Above the things that have troubled you, that have plagued you. No, you can't do it by yourself. It comes by his horn of salvation. Amen. Now, remember when when the promised land laid in sight, there was parts of it that was walled off. There's a city called Jericho. And Jericho was walled off from Israel. They had closed it up tight they had fortified and and closed up the city for fear of Israel now let me just tell you something you remember Jericho represented a part of the promised land it was given to Israel it was their land somebody with me amen now you you see they had closed the city up and they said we're not going to let you in Amen. We, we've sealed it up. We've closed it up. And, and they had closed it up for the fear of Israel. You see, demons know. You see, they knew the Holy One of Israel. They would beg not to be driven out. You know, Jesus, when he, when he came, he had demons begging. He had demons fleeing. He also commissioned you to do the same thing. In my name, in my stead, you cast out devils. You're not to live with devils. You're not to have spirits haunt you all your life. 
You're not to have some devil to wall off some promise of God from you. Amen. You are to stand there with your God-given right. Which Rahab would tell him, your terror has fallen on us. And all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Joshua 2 and 10 will describe, you know, what what they were saying. For you, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. When you came up out of Egypt. Hey, this even, they're speaking about things when Moses was alive and now Moses is dead. But the demons are still afraid. Even though that the prophet is gone on. Is somebody with me? Amen. Now, so he said, you have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you. And when you come out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon, and and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. And neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and in the earth beneath. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, the people of God has the devils afraid. And they're not afraid of you. They're afraid of your Lord. They're afraid of this ram. Amen. The prophet didn't do it. Come on, it didn't require Moses to be there. The ram did it. The lamb of God did it. Somebody with me. And that same Holy Ghost, that same ram was still with God's people. And he's still with us today. Hallelujah. Hey man, we have heard, oh yeah, we have heard how brain bleeds melt away and how eyesight returns. We have heard how alopecia devils fled before you because the Lord your God is God in the heavens above and in the earth beneath. We heard that your God is God and because of that, nobody's got any courage. Hey man, nobody's got any strength. Oh, we've heard how demons possessed your children through sin and unbelief, but yet they got set free and demons had to go. We have heard, we have closed up the city and we're not giving up the city so the promises of God's word are closed to you. So now they get to the land of promise and the promised land is closed to them by scared devils. Who's still going to try to hold it off. But they're fearing for their life. They're trembling. Amen. They're, they're, they're already, their hearts are already melting. Because they know just as soon as those believers realize who they are. And how great the realm is. They ain't nothing going to stand before them. Even their big walls will fall down flat. Joshua 6 and 4. And seven priests shall bear the ark, seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times. 
and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. They will take the ram's horn, the symbol of power, the symbol of dominance, and they'll go around proclaiming the promises of God. Amen. We've had it been happening for seven church ages. We had seven messengers, hadn't we? Amen. But now I want you to notice, and it shall come to pass, that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, and all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat. And today we have had the ram's horn that has sounded the gospel of freedom. Somebody with me? Seven horns, seven trumpets, seven gospel messages for seven ages. Amen. They circled around the promises again and again, proclaiming that what God's word is the truth, that no weapon that is formed against you can prosper. No wall is big enough to wall off God's promises from this bride. Nothing. The gates of hell cannot prevail against you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, if we can just get the people to shout, Amen. With a great shout. With a great voice. Oh, hallelujah. If we can just get the people to start agreeing with the word that the prophet's message has brought, that Apostle Paul brought us, that was down through the ages. If we can just get people to say, yes, Lord, that's my word. That's my promise. That's what you gave me. And they begin to shout and they begin to rejoice. And the wall has got to come down. And the wall has got to fall to the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. Gloria, trumpet and Zion. Let the people of God rejoice. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, I remember that Psalms from Psalm 68 that we read last Sunday. Display your strength, God, and we'll be strong. For your miracles have made us who we are. Lord, do it again. That ought to be the cry of all of us this morning. Your miracles have made us who we are. The miracle when I was in sin, when I was lost, when I was living a land of sinful world, your miracle has made me strong. You made me who I am. And I say, Lord, do it again. Do it for our children. Do it for our children's children. Do it for our loved ones. Do it again. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It worked for the barren woman. There was a woman 
named Ruth, named Hannah. A woman named Hannah who was barren. She was mocked by her rival who was also a wife of her husband. And this, this rival had children, but she had no children. And there she, she cried and she, she prayed unto God. You remember the story? And the, but, every, you know, every day, you know, she was mocked. You know, sometimes Satan, when he thinks he's got the upper hand, he's always mocking, making fun, belittling. This woman had the potential had the potential to bring forth a prophet. Are you with me? I mean, this, this was Hannah, the mother of Samuel. She had the potential to bring forth a prophet, but she was barren. Amen. And, and now I want you to notice she, 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 every day she's tormented and tormented by her, uh, her tormentor, which was a rival woman. And in First uh, Samuel 2 and 1, and Hannah prayed. You remember? Here's a prayer. She's got the word of the Lord that has been given to her by the priest. And Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged of my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me tell you, if it'll work for Hannah, is somebody with me? It'll work for a barren church. We can get the church, the bride of Christ, to start believing. There is nothing that's impossible to them that believes. A horn can be exalted in the Lord. Exalt the Lord, the horn of his anointed. Now, you see, she was praying, in the Lord my horn is lifted high. That, that means the strength will, will come from her having this child. Zechariah would praise God that he had raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. The horn of salvation... In this case, it referred to Jesus Christ, the powerful deliverer and king who would soon be born. In the days of Saul, now Saul is a type of denomination. You remember Brother Branham preached about him, rejected king. It was a head that the people chose. And God would have to set him aside because he continually exalted himself and wouldn't do what God's word said. And Brother Branham types him as the rejected king, um, or, or excuse me, um, as, as in, the, in the rejected king, he types him as Saul as being denominations. And finally, you know, there, there come a point that God would have no more. He said, I've worked with him. Can we get it now? I've worked with the systems of religion long enough. And I can't work with them anymore. Not going to put up with them anymore. But I want you, what you to do is to fill the, your horn with oil. Now we get another symbol. In the ram's horn, it was a receptacle for oil. 
Amen. For the anointing oil. Somebody with me? Hallelujah. Now what did God do with this ram? Come on. He led him like an obedient lamb down to the river of Jordan and filled him with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Oh my. And he walked out from there in his ministry and immediately began to overcome the devil. Come on somebody. Amen. Because he got his horn filled with oil. Now take this, your horn that is filled with oil and what I want you to do is I want you to anoint David to be the king. And this is a man of my own choosing. Hallelujah. This ain't some denominational choosing. This is my king. This is the one I'm setting here. One that I can rule through. Somebody with me? And the Bible said when he poured that oil upon David, the spirit of the Lord came upon that upon David from that day forward. Oh, hallelujah. So he would tell us as we have, as we have read, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Let me just tell you, friends, that was, that was David who was anointed from the horn of oil. But let me just show you my king. How many would like to see my king? How many would like to see your king in the scripture? Well, Revelation 5 and 6 shows us. Come on now. And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent from to all the earth. Hallelujah. Amen. This one is a real ram. Amen. I showed this picture to Brother Mike Ware. So, oh, I've never seen horns like that. I've never seen a ram like that. But let me get you a picture of this ram. He had seven horns. Come on. And seven eyes. Now we know what the seven eyes are. He just said they're the seven spirits of God. They would anoint seven messengers from seven ages. Somebody with me now. So you see, there's enough spirit for every age. We ain't going to run out of spirit, and we ain't going to run out of vision. We're not going to go blind in this age, because why God gave eyesight to this bride in this last day. Come on, somebody. But notice seven horns. There is a horn of power for every age. Glory to God. There is a horn of power for every age. And you know, Brother Branham said that you, the church, is that horn. Woo! Do you know what that means? He's going to use you to defeat the devil with. Hallelujah! That means he's going to have an overcoming church. A church with dominance. A church with power. A church who knows who they are. A church like him that are trapped Satan under their feet who will bruise the head of the serpent. I'm talking about my king now. Hallelujah. Now, 
He will have wrath. He will have wrath in the tribulation. That he will express his wrath. Let's go to Revelation 14 and 9. Let's just see a scripture. And the third angel followed them saying with a loud voice. If any man worship the beast in his image. And receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Which is poured out without mixture. Into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. So it's the Lamb now that is bringing his wrath in the tribulation. We will see him in verse 2 of chapter 15. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire and them that had gotten victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass having harps of God and they sing the song of Moses the servant of God and the song of the lamb now these are the 144,000 saying great and marvelous are thy works Lord God almighty just and true are thy ways thou king of saints Hallelujah. So the Lamb is also King of Saints. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm going to read you something now from the Church Age book. I want you just to think a minute. You know, it was in 1965. We were there, Life Tabernacle, when the Church Age book, the first printed copies, to my knowledge, were distributed there at Life Tabernacle. And, and, and there was a whole, whole um, station wagon, and I met one of the brothers, then forgot which one it was. His name slips me, but he said, I, our family drove the books down to the tabernacle. And, and I was there when, when, when they was there. We would get our copies of the church age book. And he refers to it, Brother Branham would refer to it in those meetings in reference to the back of that book, he said, it's my book. The Seven Church Ages. And it was, from, it was written from a series that he had preached before, on the seal, uh, before the seals, rather, on the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it was put in a book that Brother Branham, um, in, the, in those years, had reviewed over and over and over again to make certain it was right. There's actually tapes of transcripts between him and Brother Vale. It'd be better to say it this way. And I think here you should you put in this and so on like that. Because it was his book. There's a reason I want to say this. It was, it was also an up-to-date book. Because he had been working on it since the opening of the seals. All the way to the time of, um, uh, to the time of his death. It was just released. Now... In this book, Brother Branham says, and I'm going to quote this, the church age book, in Revelation 15:3, and it says, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Do you see it? The Lamb, the high priest, 
Holding his blood as an atonement on the mercy seat for our sins is the Lord God Almighty. That is his present office. Now let me get it clear. Amen. Him as high priest, amen, is still his present office. As Brother Branham would say, there and who is this Melchizedek? And he would describe the priest king. And he said, now you can touch the high priest. And he would call out people behind his back or out in the audience and say, see, they, who did they touch? They just touched the high priest. Amen. So you see, as late as, as late as at the end of his ministry, people were still approaching the high priest through his ministry. Amen. Now, so that is his present office. That's what he's doing now. Pleading his blood for our sins. But one day, and it hadn't happened yet, one day that lamb will become the lion of the tribe of Judah. He will come forth in power and glory to take his authority to reign as king. He is the coming king of this earth. Of course, that does not say he is not king now, for he is our king. He's king of saints. Right now, it's a spiritual kingdom. It's not of this world system, even as we're not of this world. And that's the reason we act different from the world. Our citizenship is in heaven. We reflect the spirit of the world of our rebirth where Jesus is the king. And that's why women do not dress in men's clothing or cut their hair or use all those cosmetics and things and other things that the world likes so much. That's why our men don't drink and smoke and carry on in sin. Our dominion is the dominion over sin and it is in force through the power that is in the spirit of Christ that indwells us. Every kingdom of the earth is going to be torn down, but ours will remain. Hallelujah. I'm glad to know his present offer. He is the lamb. Amen. John the Baptist, come on, would say he's the forerunner of Christ. He would say, look or behold the lamb. Amen. Now, Brother Brandon said this forerunner would do the same. Amen. By pointing and saying, behold the Lamb of God. Come on. Amen. John would say, the Lamb that take away the sin of the world. But this prophet would look for a Lamb that was worthy. A man that was worthy to take the book and open the seals. And so both ministries of the forerunners were, look at the Lamb. Hallelujah, behold the lamb, the lamb, the redeemer. He didn't redeem us as the king on the throne. The king left the throne to become a lamb, to become a kinsman, to pay the price. Now, we can look in the tribulation. We can see him coming in tenfold power. All right, now in in Revelation 17, 12, there's a tenfold power of, of, that Satan comes in. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which receive no kingdom as yet, but they receive power as kings one hour with the beast. Now, you know, there's a lot of people. Now, here we're going to jump in for a moment. And let's just say it. 
There's a lot of people that give their power, their, their power over to the beast. Are you with me? They, all, they, receive, they receive power as kings one hour with the beast. There are many people who give their power to, to, to serve with the beast, to do the devil's work. Amen. Let me just tell you, either you are under God's dominion or you're under Satan's dominion. You can't have it both ways. You can't have two lords. You can't have two masters. Amen. Are you with me now? Amen. What, what, do you, what happened to Legion? Legion started as a little boy. Brother Brandon said it just began with a lie. And that lie led to another. And that opened him up to a demon. And that opened him up. That demon brought another demon. First thing you know, there was all kinds of demons. Amen. He said, wow, Brother Tim, this is, uh, you know, some spiritual. Let me tell you, the devil is real. He is a spirit. Amen. You'll invite, you'll invite, beginning with just a lie. Just, um, let, me, let me just tell you, you, you couldn't, you were born lost. You were born in sin. You were born with Satan's dominion over your life. And if you didn't give your, to yourself to Christ at a young age, and even Brother Brandon said about that, I would have given my life to Christ as an 11, 12-year-old boy. But he said a spirit kept hanging over me that told me just to wait for another time. Amen. A spirit hanging over me. Now, Legion would open himself up. And first thing you know, he didn't just have one devil of lying. He had devils of drunkenness, devils of immorality, devils of adultery, devils of every kind, until it drove him crazy into the tombs. He had such a power that nothing that man could do could hold him. But he met a power. One day a ram came and visited his place. Are you with me? Amen. And when he came... Amen. When he came and he looked into those eyes. And he saw that Redeemer standing there. Amen. He looked at Jesus and he looked in those eyes and wondered, how in the world, how did God get in there? How did you get in there? And now the devil is becoming tormented and begins to beg not to be cast out. Come on, church. Amen. But I tell you what, the ram wouldn't let it be done. He had a son there that he had been looking for. That he'd heard his cry from way across the sea. And God has heard your cry this morning. He knows the littlest heart cry. Little legion would just say, God help me. And across the sea, there was God who would leave the 90 and 9 in the big campaign, get in a boat. And when the devil saw him coming, they decided to try to destroy him. But he conquered those devils too. And he lands on the other side. Come on, somebody. Amen. And there he would cast Satan out. But now notice these 10 horns are 10 powers. They have one mind and give their power and strength unto the beast. Oh, don't give your power there. Why do you want to give your power to the devil? Give your power to God. Give your life to God. Amen. You know, don't give your mind to some satanic 
around me. You say, oh, Brother Tim, I, you know, I'm not no Satanist. And let me tell you, if you're not a Christ, it's a Satan. One or the other. You may not be a Satanist with, a, with an altar and doing some hoodoo stuff and voodoo. That may be not what you are. You, you can just be a good boy, a good girl. And still a tool of the devil. Amen. The devil pull you right on down. They have one mind. They give their power and strength to the beast. And these shall make war with the lamb. Oh my. And what? What's the next of it? And the lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And they that are with him, are you with him this morning? Is he your king? Then they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Hallelujah. That's what God describes you as his son. Called, chosen, and faithful. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, so now part of the redeeming work I'm trying to hurry and cram some things right here. Just bear with me as we just look into something now. Because as we come into this part, we come into the, the message of the hour that separated the gospel of the, of the Gentiles from the message to the Jews. And, and there we, we find that part of the atoning, redemptive work of the Lamb is, the, is known by the blowing of the ram's horn. And the blowing, the sound that comes out of his horn, it calls Israel to the day of atonement. Are you with me now? Now, so the last gospel trumpeted the Gentiles is the seventh angel's message. Amen. Now, that's the gospel trumpets. And, and of course, that is our message. As I'm preaching this morning, I'm actually sounding out that prophet's message. I don't have a message of my own. Amen. I, I preach his message because it wasn't even his message. It was God's message. Amen. He, he was, and, and again, you know, there, there again, it's the sounding of a message. Now, so he said, now, remember, the Gentile bride is to have a prophet called Elijah that is to call the bride out of their traditions, just the same as the prophet's Called, uh, called, to the, called the Jews out of Judaism to Christ to the atonement. Now, the Gentiles already know the atonement. But it's, call, it's to call the bride back to the original atonement. Are you with me now? So get it now what this message is to do. Call the bride back to the original atonement. Back to the blood. Hallelujah. Amen. Not call them away from the blood. Not say the blood is over with. Not say the blood has lost its power. Not saying even that we are the blood. But rather it is calling us the bride back to the blood atonement of Christ. Hallelujah. Now, so you see this opens it up. The seals would open up. Now, when we're talking about the first for a feast of Israel. Therefore, there's actually seven feasts. Now, in a way, they all represent the seven church ages, seven feasts and seven ages. 
And, but, but that's about the only way that they reflect in that manner. But no, never, never, nevertheless, there are four feasts that have already taken place. And they took place 2,000 years ago. And they are this, what is called the spring feast. So now we have a springtime, and then we have the evening time or the fall time. Are you with me? Harvest time. Now in the spring feast, they began at the, in the month of Abed, which is about March or April in our calendar. And the, the ram, the ram would be slain at the Passover. Are you with me? And then they would have the feast of the unleavened bread. The, the, the next day, and then the morrow after the Sabbath of, of following the unleavened bread would be the feast of first fruits. And now we already have three feasts that happened 2,000 years ago. Passover, amen. All right, the, the unleavened bread, come on. Then we come to the next one there, which is the first fruits. And Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection. And he rose on the third day, which was the day of the first fruits, because he was the first fruit of God. He was the first fruit lamb, and he was the first fruit of the dead. So he would be called the firstborn of the dead. So he's the firstborn. So the feast of first fruits. Now then, 50 days later was Pentecost, and it would conclude. The spring feast. All right? So you see, it came with Jesus being our Passover, Jesus being our unleavened bread, Jesus being the first fruit, and then Jesus returning on the day of Pentecost to dwell in his people. Now, so that would conclude the spring feast. Now that, all, that, those uh, three of those feasts would start in the month of April, then, then there would be 50 days later the feast of Pentecost. But, it, but now that was the first, uh, April would be, or Abed would be the first month of the year. Now then in the seventh month, which is our October, November, because our calendars doesn't right, go with them. But in the seventh month, is anybody with me now? All right. In the seventh month, in the fall, that there would be three more feasts. Three more feasts would come at the end. One comes at spring, one comes at the end of summer, in the fall. Somebody with me? All right, now, so we are here now in the seventh month or the seventh church age. So in the seventh church age, there's going to be three fall feasts. Now, looking at this. The first one is the trumpets. The second one is atonement, the day of atonement. The third one, all happens in the same month, is finally the Feast of the Tabernacles. So now in the end time, we know that there is to be three feasts that take place that, that the trumpets call Israel back to their homeland. And then finally to the day of atonement, And then finally to the millennium. Are you with me? And the same thing happens for the Gentiles. Come on now. Amen. Amen. God sends a message. Amen. He's got a trumpet, a ram's horn that he blows and he calls the bride. Oh, hallelujah. 
gathers the dispersed back to the homeland and then brings her back to the original atonement. And once he gets the original atonement, he takes her home for the millennial reign. Hallelujah. So we're here, right here at the time of the fulfilling of three feasts. Somebody say, praise the Lord. We're here in the end time. Now, for the Gentiles, now let me, let me explain. The Feast of Tabernacles is a remembrance. God would have them to go and put up temporary shelters. And they would remember, they would have this feast to remember their journey in, in the wilderness. So they would make what they call booths. And even today, when they celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, they will all build temporary booths to remember their, their temporary condition that they were in as they traveled from place to place through the wilderness. And so it was a time of remembrance of their journey. Now the millennium will be the same thing. It will be, it will be a time of remembrance. We will build and not another inhabit. Is that right? Now what does immortals have need of a house? They've got a perfect house. And these shelters that we build there won't last forever because it's going to be burned with fire when the thousand years is over. Amen. But the reason we're in the millennium is so because the day you eat there, that day you die, and a day being a thousand years, somebody with me? And man didn't live the thousand years. Jesus is going to show he defeated death by living with his bride a thousand years on earth while we build temporary shelters. Remembering our journey on the earth. Hallelujah. Now, so that leads right ahead, the millennium. Some people say they're in the millennium. Well, you might be, but I'm not. Amen. I still got this. And no matter how nice a house I have, amen, this still is not much millennial material. Amen. Now, for the Gentiles... The seals will open to reveal their redemption. They will receive an Elijah prophet in order to, to, uh, to bring them into full redemption. Did you notice when the, when the cloud of, of angels came, there was seven of them. And seven of them would show that the ages are now complete. Is that right? Amen. And it would show seven angels to reveal Christ. Amen. Seven spirits of God to reveal Christ. And so to reveal the whole word to us would take seven angels coming to a prophet to open up seven seals. Is somebody with me now? But now with the Jews, they have two witnesses. They have Moses and they have Elijah. And Moses is the law and Elijah is the prophets. So that is, that is all of their covenant. Come on. Law and prophets. They don't need seven angels to represent. They're represented by two, which is the law and the prophets. Are you with me? Now then, here again. And they will blow. There is a blowing of the ram's horn of the truth of the lamb's power and his work of redemption. Now, I'd like just to go into this um, for the next few minutes now. Isaiah chapter 27, verse 12. Let's look at this. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall beat off 
from the channel of the river unto the stream of Egypt. And ye shall be gathered one by one, O ye children of Israel. Hallelujah. And it shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown. And they shall come which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria and the outcast in the land of Egypt and shall worship the Lord in the holy mount at Jerusalem. So they're going, the great trumpet will bring them back to the true worship or true atonement. Amen. Amen. And the great trumpet is now a gathering back to God. Now, Brother Branham was asked, where is our gathering going to be? Is it in Jeffersonville or is it in Tucson or where will the bride be gathered? He said, I got it. The bride will be gathered in Christ. So our gathering is not in some genealogical location like Israel is. Our gathering is into Christ. That's where our gathering is. We must come into Christ. Is that right? Now, so now again, when the great trumpet sounds, the Bible said the ensign shall be lifted up. Now notice, it is to call them back to the atonement. Now the trumpet sound to gather Israel back to their homeland. Can I tell you? They're there. That's right. Yeah. Amen. Oh my, one day the last one will get there. The last one of that 144,000 will arrive. And about that same time, the last member of the bride will recognize their name in the book. And we're going home. And the gospel will turn to the Gentiles. Or from to the Jews, from the Gentiles. Now, so again... We, we remember again that when the, when the trumpet angel sounded, there follows hail and fire mingled with blood. They're cast on the earth. Tribulation begins. The six sealed judgments and plagues on the earth does not, not, does not truly open uh, until after the bride, you know, is raptured. But it, it actually opens on the Jews in a way to drive them back to their homeland and at the same time pull a bride out of the church to come back to her homeland what's our homeland the word the bible come on to back to what paul preached not a new gospel not a new doctrine the same thing paul preached that is our gospel is somebody with me now so the, the, the trumpets called Israel to return back to their homeland for that day of atonement. Because for them to receive their Messiah, they must be back in their homeland. And for us to receive the corporal coming of Christ, where have we got to be? Back in our homeland. The Bible. Back in the Word. Come on. Amen. So there was a call came out. And the brother Branham would tell you that it would happen in an ecclesiastical manner for the Gentiles and in a physical, literal manner for the Jews. And he said spirits would be released that would come and, 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 and come, come against the Jews and, and it would put a drive in their heart to go back to their homeland. Hallelujah. And he said at the same time, there is ecclesiastical spirits that is withholding the word, bringing a persecution, that the word isn't preached and, and turning churches that you used to belong to into ghettos and the concentration camps, void of the spirit of God. 
And so it would put a hunger in the heart of men and women like you and me. Let's leave from here. This ain't our home here in Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic. But our home is right here. Let me find a home in the homeland. Let me find a place where the word has preeminence. So the trumpets call us back to our homeland. But for what purpose? To reveal to us the genuine atonement. Now, you know, things have been silent for years and years and years and years. For the Jews, you know, God's been silent to them. Remember with Joseph, his brothers are away from him. He's over here in a palace. He's preparing a place for them. Amen. Come on. He's preparing food for them. He's making provisions for them. But they don't know him. They sold him out. Come on, somebody. Amen. They, they sent him away as one dead and sold him away. But now he has come up out of the tomb, out of the prison, and is exalted at the head of the throne of God. And his brothers come to him, and, and they, they don't know who he is. And today, that's the Jews. They don't know who Christ is. They don't know who their Messiah is. Amen. But, oh, there, there's something in them hungering. Oh, you know, we, we, we shouldn't have done what we've done. Amen. Dude, maybe we turned down the Messiah. What have we done to go through all of this trouble that we have been through? And they're there bleeding and, 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 and broken. Are you with me? Yeah. I mean, you, when you go to Israel, you see a, even though a proud people that there's many of them that are broken, hurt, confused. Where is our God? Some of them are atheists. Some of them are, you know, so well, God don't even care. And some of them, they, they're confused. And they're, they're just, just a confused people. They don't know who their God is. They don't know how to worship him. Amen. But God's going to send them Elijah and Moses. Are you with me? The law and the prophets personified in Moses and Elijah. The full word through those prophets. And they will reveal to them their Messiah. And the Bible said when they see him, they will look on him whom they have pierced. And they will mourn for him as the mourning of the only son. When they realize we killed the Messiah. But Joseph will come to them. But brothers, don't be angry with yourself. Because God did this to preserve life. Amen. And what they didn't know is all the time Joseph had been providing their bread, giving their money back, come on, taking care of them all of these 2,000 years. And even those who died, souls under the altar, he gave white robes to them. Come on. Amen. Because God will never forget his people. But in the meantime, there's a spiritual Israel. There's the bride of Christ. And she has been sent, Elijah the prophet. Hallelujah. Amen. And what did he do? Revealed the Messiah to us. And we looked on him that was being pierced and rejected in denominations. Come on now. Amen. And what did we do? We mourned. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. We want that Messiah. Amen. He said, well, I've been with you for seven ages. I hadn't forgot you. 
Amen. I'm here, right here. Now, what Elijah the prophet does, Brother Branham said, is he shows them that the chickens and the ducks that they're sacrificing and geese will not atone for sin. Now you say, well, Brother Tim, they never, uh, they never use chickens and ducks and everything to atone for sin anyway. Listen, whatever they have today don't amount to anything more than chickens and ducks and turkeys and any unclean fowl you'd want to think of. Come on. They have no life. It has no power. Amen. The same thing with religion today. This is what our prophet of God would tell us. He calls the bride out of traditions out of traditions of the denomination back to the word again to reveal to us it ain't some kind of little revelation of your own. It ain't some kind of little fig leaves. But come back to the covering of the blood. And when you come under the covering of that blood, you have miracles. When you come under the covering of that blood, you have the spoken word. When you come under the power of that blood, you have healings. You have salvation. And you have deliverance. Hallelujah. Oh, brother, you have heard the ram's horn blow in your generation. It's blowing out today. Freedom. The Jubilee. Now, let me just tell you. There's many times we look at that and say, well, praise God. We're free from denomination. We're free. We're free. So, therefore, redemption is all over. Because we're already free. What do, why do we need to be redeemed when we're free? We're free. But we're yet not all free. Oh yeah, well, there's a few out there. No, it's even more than that. You are not completely free. So I've been freed from sin. That's good. The other day, Brother Tim, I was prayed for and freed from sickness. That's wonderful. But I want to read you about a trumpet. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all, somebody say all, all be changed. How? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, when at the last trump. Hallelujah. Brother, as this trump crescendos oh hallelujah and finishes sounding out the message to every nation kindred tongue and people hallelujah and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality so that when this corruptible shall put on incorruption And this mortal shall put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah. I've been freed from sin. I've been freed from sickness many times. Amen. I've seen others freed from sin and sickness. But I'm looking for the complete freedom. It's promise in this age. Amen. We may have to bury one or two more. I don't know how many, but it'll come to pass. We'll bury our last one. Hallelujah. I said we'll bury our last one. We'll put the last seed in the ground and the planting will be over. 
Hallelujah. And on that resurrection morning, there will be those here, that trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we shall be changed from mortal into immortality at the trumpet sound. The trumpet is now sounding. The last message has come. And in his crescendo will come the dead in Christ. What a day that will be. Maybe y'all can prepare for me. Oh, daughters of Zion. I didn't, this is a surprise, I know. But I just want you to think of this this morning. The ram's horn. The ram's horn of redemption. Let the musicians come now. The ram's horn of redemption is blowing. It hadn't ceased to blow. This message still blows around the world and the trumpet sound is being heard. And as it does, people's lives are being changed. But one day, it'll crescendo. That last note of the trumpet will reach that high note. And those that are dead in Christ will rise first. We which are alive and remain will be changed. That is not a funeral scripture. That's a prophecy. And you're the interpretation. I said, and you're the interpretation. Can you believe that this morning? That you could be in that number because of the ram's horn of redemption. Let's just bow our heads together. Jesus, you're still God. Your word is still true, Lord. Even right now, Lord, we've been called out of traditions. How many more traditions have come up? How many other banners have been waved? But you said you'd set an ensign upon the mountain. And that there would be a people come under your banner. Not under the banner of some of these movements. Lord, I get so grieved sometimes today we're split up as bad as Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostals, everything else. One of I'm a Paul and I'm of Apollos and I'm of Peter and I'm of this and I'm that. And following every kind of personality cult there is in the world. But Lord, let somebody get in love with Jesus. Lord, as the song was sang the other night, just let me fall in love with you all over again. Show me, God. You're calling a people. I pray, Lord, you'll just call your people to attention today. It's time, Lord, the silence has been broken. The silence will soon be broken to the, to the Jews, and they'll know what you've been doing now for the past 2,000 years. Even as you broke the silence to us and opened up what we have We have been through as a Gentile church for the last 2,000 years and seven ages. Lord, they're there. There are many a hungry heart. They're over there trying to get their artifacts, build their menorahs, make their altars, try to get some kind of, of animal that would be without blemish, working hard to try to breed a red heifer. One that they couldn't find the hair on that is of another color. They're doing all these things for nothing. All the, all the red heifers' ashes will never cleanse sin. 
All the blood of bulls and goats will never take it away. But there is a blood of a ram. Lord, may that, that horn blow in Zion. May it be heard as it crescendos here among this bride and she be called away that it continues right on crescendoing right out in that seventh trumpet over into Israel there where their Messiah is revealed to them that pulls them out of their tradition back to know a living God. I pray you'll do it, Father. I pray that you'll do something in the hearts of your children today. There's the blowing of the ram's horn. Lord, there's that horn of redemption. It's proclaiming liberty even this morning. For those that are bound, they're bound in sin, there's deliverance. They're bound with sickness, there's deliverance. Even death itself can't stand in the presence of this great ram. When the ram takes on a battle against our enemies, he always wins. Lord, I pray, dear God, that today that you'll just come on the behalf of your children. Come here on this eve of Christmas. Reveal to us your great gift. Reveal to us, Lord, of your coming. What a day that will be, Lord. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.